Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is 5 November, which is Sunday, and it's a great Sunday, isn't it? We got an extra hour of sleep, thank you, and um, got an extra hour of sleep there, and we have, um, uh, that, that was, I tell you what, I wake up every single morning, every single morning, and the first thing I say is, I'm so tired, Lord. I do that every day. I just, it's, it's chronic. I, I go to bed tired. I wake up tired. And then I kind of get my steam during the day. And then by the end of the day, many days, I just lay on the couch. I don't even bother going upstairs. And I don't even remember hitting the pillow. So day, days are long, but I slept until 3.50 this morning. And I felt absolutely wonderful. It was glorious. So um, anyway, thank you, Lord, for a change in time. And when uh, the one comes in the spring, I always go to bed an hour early, so I don't lose that hour. I, that's not going to happen. But uh, anyway, uh, let's see here. Before we get into the prophecy update, we have a second bandana from Arlene. Uh, it's actually from her puppies. Like I said, the letter was from her puppies to my puppies, and it's got little bow wows and woof woofs and everything on there. And I'm so excited to wear this because I, I, you know, I love our babies. We got uh, eight of them now. And, um, oh, they're precious. Just, uh, my puppies are so precious. Um, okay, one more thing before I uh, get into our regular course is that uh, I would ask that nobody would send me any emails this week, if at all possible, because I've got something coming up which I cannot avoid. And, um, it's going to take a lot of time this week, an exceptional amount of time. And um, so I just I will not be able to answer emails. So if you send them, they're probably just going to go into the, the bin. And I hate to do that to people, but um, I, I just it's going to be a really busy week. And then from there, I have somebody to highlight, which is um, this is one of the most remote places as far as physical location on the earth. And it is it is one of the most beautiful places. You go look it up online and just scroll through the photos they give you. Uh, his name is Jaspu Tausen. He's from the Faroe Islands. If you know where that is, you've got Iceland here, you've got Scotland here, and right in the middle, it's this little group of islands in the middle of, like, nowhere. And um, just beautiful, beautiful. It's, uh, he's 51 years old. He says, I have three girls that are healthy and growing up fast. When our fourth child, a boy, died 17 days old in 2008. A pride with bitterness towards the Lord started, and our marriage ended. But I managed to complete my education as a shipmaster. It's been a bumpy ride, but the Lord has taken all the bitterness away from me, and I am walking with the Lord today. That which has brought me back to the Lord is that I have read the entire Gospel of John and focusing on what Jesus says about himself and God the Father. In chapter 17, verse 24, it became personal for me that he wants me to be with him so that I can see his glory and how much he loves me of all people. To God be the glory and thank you for the service you're doing for the Lord. And then he added in, I got saved when I was a little boy. I have God-fearing parents and I hope that my three daughters will also choose the Lord as their savior. So very wonderful and we send our love all the way to the Faroe Islands up in the uh, North Atlantic. But I did ask him, how's the weather there? And uh, he says it's actually not as bad as you would expect because, like England, the, uh, the Gulf Stream heads up and it keeps the waters uh, kind of warm there. So um, 
I, I would still, if I went to visit him, it would be like in June and July for sure. But anyway, there you go. Um, our first category today is Israel. And uh, just something I read in the news this morning is that they've started their semi-annual exercise, the military, with um, Operation Blue Flag. And so they're out there. India is participating this year. And uh, so just thought I'd mention that to you. Uh, it's not a part of any article that I had read up until this morning. But before I get into the Israel section, I have a book here that a friend sent me, uh, Chuck Armstrong, and it's called A New Creation. And the reason why I like this, I don't normally read books ever, okay? And um, the reason why is because I don't have time. I The last thing I do every single day of the week is I read the Bible, and then I just go to sleep. I'm done. But um, uh, there's two things about this book that made me decide to read it. The first is that it um, is poetry, okay? It's, he's just taken biblical concepts and put them into poetic form. And the second thing is that the book is only 70 pages, and each page is, you know, like a normal third of a page on any regular book. So I read usually one page a day of any book if I read anything at all besides the Bible. And um, so it took me about two months to get through this. I know most people would read it in about 30 minutes, but it is really good theology. I'm going to tell you that. I had one disagreement with him, which is on the Nephilim. He did a poem on the Nephilim, and um, nobody agrees with me on that. I, I am convinced, and nobody's going to change my mind, that the Nephilim are the sons of Cain. It's not angels sleeping with men or anything like that. The Bible's very clear, and if you want to understand that particular passage, Genesis 6, go watch the sermon. It's right online. I defend very clearly that it has nothing to do with the supernatural. Okay, but other than that, I really, really appreciate his poetry, and it's something that if you like poetry, take a look at it, okay? Anybody in here wants to take it home, please do. And uh, so from Israel today, from the Times of Israel, <clears throat> I'm going to go through about seven articles here, just mostly titles, but the first one will be a little longer. It's something that happened in the past two weeks in Israel. I brought this type of thing up before, but it is important because of when it happened and because of the other things that have happened in the surrounding area. This is actually more important than it may sound to you. Netanyahu hails this from the Times of Israel. He hails breakthrough technology in discovery of Hamas attack tunnel. There was an attack tunnel that was bored up into Israel from their side, and um, they have a new technology which can find it. They found it, okay? Prime Minister Netanyahu and Defense Minister Lieberman hailed the IDF for destroying an attack tunnel from the Gaza Strip discovered near a kibbutz inside Israeli territory. Now, that's important to remember there. With the two leaders attributing its discovery to Israel's new breakthrough technology, the Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza said that at least five Palestinians were killed and nine others were wounded. I believe the number is up to 12 now. When the IDF blew up the tunnel, this is in their sovereign land. These are people that have bored into their land. They blew up the tunnel. Pay attention to the next few articles to understand why I'm highlighting this. I told you many times before that we are developing breakthrough technology to deal with the tunnel threat. We are implementing it. Today we located a tunnel and we destroyed it. The Prime Minister said Israel holds Hamas responsible for all military action against Israel emanating from the Gaza Strip, and whoever hurts us, we will hurt them. They have entered into Israeli territory, they are combatant enemies, and they were destroyed. And this is what happens. This is what you do in warfare. Okay. Plus, they're taking all of this money that the nations of the world give them, and instead of building their society, it's, it's a sewer over there. Instead of using that money for productive use, 
They build weapons, and they spend hundreds of millions of dollars on these tunnels. The figures are astonishing. I read them, what, about a year ago. Anyway, Hamas, uh, they hold them responsible. The tunnel, which the IDF described as a grave and unacceptable violation of Israeli sovereignty, started in Khan Yunus, uh, crossing under the border and approaching Kibbutz Kisufim. So it entered into Israel. Once it did that, it is subject to being destroyed. And anybody that happens to be in there burrowing, they're going to be destroyed. And they were. From Tazneem News, which is Iran. Iran deplores Israel brutal airstrike on Gaza. This is about the uh, tunnel here, as if they have no right to defend themselves. The Iranian foreign minister strongly condemned the recent Israeli airstrike on the Gaza Strip, which it wasn't. It was on a tunnel which came from the Gaza Strip, describing the attack as brutal. The bloodthirsty Zionist regime is trying to bend the will of the oppressed people of the occupied territories to guarantee its security by killing Pakistanian youth. They're not used. These are adults that are digging tunnels under, and they try to make it look like everything Israel is doing is targeted at young children and women and all that kind of stuff. From our Shiva, Fatah, which is on the other side, you've got Hamas and Fatah, we were trying to broker that deal right now so that they can unite against Israel together. Fatah condemns Israel for destroying terror tunnels. As if it makes any sense at all. Yeah, hello. So it goes on. It says, um, the Fatah movement issued a statement condemning what it called the Israeli crime directed against our people in Gaza, which resulted in the deaths of eight civilians and the wounding of 14 others. So they're calling it a crime that they're defending themselves. Okay? This is what the world sees. They don't see what Israel has done in their defense of themselves. All they see is what the rest of the news media in the world will put out there. They'll only give the one side. Okay, from the Times of Israel again. Hamas Fatah accused Israel of trying to foil the unity deal by hitting the terror tunnel. So they're saying, you did this because we're digging a tunnel. We're in there to to kill your people and kidnap your people, which I'll substantiate in just a second. But they're saying that you're trying to foil our peace deal. Actually, it would only make the peace deal stronger, not less. So that's completely insane. All right, from the Times of Israel. Exploded tunnel was dug Four soldier abductions, Gaza terror leader says. So they admitted it. They admitted that they are going in there specifically to abduct Israeli citizens, which they still have some in their control right now, get more of them so that they can use them as bargaining chips against Israel. All right, from the Times of Israel. Qatar, IDF bombing of Gaza attack tunnel violates Pakistanian rights. So how can it violate their rights when they are in Israeli territory? The mindset of what's going on in the world is very skewed. Thinking is just a hobby. Thinking is a hobby for these people. From the Jerusalem Post, Israel sets conditions for Gaza authorities to search for tunnel blast casualties. Israel is setting the conditions for anybody to go into there and check out for casualties or get the bodies back. A top Israeli general said Israel will not allow authorities in the Gaza Strip to search for the five missing terrorists in the border area between Israel and a small coastal enclave without progress on the issue of Israelis thought to be held in Hamas's captivity. In other words, you have our people captive. You are not getting those dead bodies back unless you give us an update on our people, which you have abducted and which you are holding un- without any legal authorization, unlike Israel, which does everything according to standard accepted law, everything. When they remember, I want to highlight this is that after the Gaza war, it was almost a year later, the world 
together came out with their assessment of what happened in Gaza, and they highlighted Israel. Their enemy, they said, nobody could have done more. Not even the United States of America does more to protect the lives of innocents, of children, of civilians than Israel did during the conduct of the Gaza war. This was an international body which came to that resolution. But nobody pays attention to those things. It's just a report that's filed away, and the news media never lets that kind of stuff out. From Al Arabiya, this just it, it just annoys me, so I'm going to include it in the update. <laughs> British activists walked from the United Kingdom all the way down to Fakistan to apologize for the Balfour Declaration, hundred year old declaration that gave Israel their their own homeland. They're protesting it. A Sounds group like of British. Obama. It's what. Yes, it does. Sounds like uh, she said it sounds like Obama. A a group of uh, British activists walked for 174 days. They spent 174 days of their life in order to make a stupid little statement about something that will never change anything. They went from uh, the United Kingdom to Jerusalem to apologize for the Balfour Declaration. All right, which granted Fakistanian territories to Israel on its 100th anniversary. The activists launched a campaign to reject the Israeli occupation. The Fakistanian government threatened the big frustration for the Christians, and everybody at the moment is that they are being betrayed by the political powers. Okay, My thought on that was that they spent 174 days of their life to do something that makes no difference in the world. It's not going to change anything, and nobody's going to pay attention to that. And it took me 117 days to get my truck, sleeping in the back of it, and to drive to 48 states in the United States, and then to stop at two of them and fly to Alaska and Hawaii and to preach at every uh, capital in this country. Okay, it took me 117 days, and that's something that I determined to do. All right, that was what I felt was productive, was telling people about Jesus and trying to get people to read the Bible. I had a challenge that while I'm gone, you read the Bible, okay? These people wasted their time, a half year of their life gone. Yes? I was just going to say it's like walking for the cure when nobody looks at the causes of anything. That's right. That's exactly right. It's like walking for the cure when nobody looks at the cause. That's exactly right. From the UN Watch. Okay, this week there's been a couple of articles which have come out on – the UN supporting the Fakistanians coming against Israel. They're giving them money in order to do this. And most of the articles say they're doing 18 million here and they're doing uh, whatever. This UN watch put it all together. Okay. So what you see in maybe one or two of the stories in the uh, media that you're looking at, they'll say $18 million is being funded for this particular purpose. That is a scratch in what's being given to them. UN Watch has it right here. UN gives $1.3 billion for Fakistinian legal recourse against Israel and other development programming. $1.3 billion. What they've done is they've taken this money and they've spread it out over a bunch of organizations. So it's kind of hidden. So people will see this one and they don't know of the others. $1.3 billion. That's why we don't want to be in the UN at all or giving them our money. An independent monitoring group is asking UN Chief Guterres to explain why the world body is planning to spend $1.3 billion across 16 agencies to fund Fakistinian lawfare campaigns against Israel and international accountability mechanisms. A reference presumably to the UNHRC and the International Criminal Court. 
according to a document signed by the UN and the government of Fakistan, which doesn't even exist, that presents the strategic programming framework of the United Nations system in occupied Fakistanian territories for 2018 through 2022. So for three years, they're getting $1.3 billion to go into effect on January 1st of 2018, coming soon to a month near you. The UN will provide training, capacity building, and technical advice to ensure that Fakistanian victims, as if there's any such thing, and institutions make effective use of international accountability mechanisms in order to hold Israel accountable for its violations under international law, which we've already seen many times they do not violate international law. They always Always stick to international law. The UN will increase its support for Fakistinian institutions and the Fakistinian victims of violations to monitor, advocate, and seek legal recourse for violations by the occupying power. So right there is a, a bias statement because they're not an occupying power. They are where they belong, All right, meaning Israel. Notably, the $1.3 billion is not for humanitarian assistance, but rather focused on development programming, which includes, as its first priority, the core programming area of supporting Fakistan's path to independence. Tell me that's not biased there. They're taking their money of the people of the world, and they're actively trying to establish the independent state of Fakistan. Okay, instead of going through the proper dealings and making a, a peace deal, they're forcing this, okay? They're taking other people's money to do it because that's what the UN is. It's a bloated government organization. The UN will also strengthen its own advocacy on the impact of Israeli violations, including through joint activities that clearly communicate the effect that the occupation and breaches of international law have on the ability of Fakistan to develop. The only thing that's keeping them from developing is them using their money for the wrong things. They have been given billions and billions and billions of dollars over the past 10 or 15 years, and all of it has been used for the wrong causes. They would have the Garden of Eden there, just like Israel has, if they would simply invest their money wisely and stop trying to blow other people up. But there is no other example or precedent of the UN funding, training, and advising one side of a conflict to pursue legal advocacy against another side within UN bodies and other international mechanisms. In other words, this case is unique in the entire world and in the history of the United Nations targeting Israel. Christian News Today. Fox. Many of you probably read this on Fox. If you did, just go to sleep for 30 seconds. It just it, it makes me so angry that I thought I'd include it in the update. George Washington's church says a plaque honoring the first president must come down. They have a plaque up there because he, it was his church. That's where he attended. It's got to come down. Christ Church in Alexandria, Virginia, will take down a memorial marking the pew where Washington sat with his family, saying it is not acceptable to all worshipers. The plaques in our sanctuary make some in our presence feel unsafe or unwelcome. Some visitors and guests who worship with us choose to not return. I'm not going to return because they receive an unintended message from the prominent presence of the plaques. And my thought is people don't come back to the superior word all the time. They don't come back all the time. And I don't care. They come in here and they, I, they get halfway through the prophecy update and they leave. And especially when it comes to the Bible. You know, the prophecy update is just to get people to listen to the sermons. But this here is what I want people to be in. And when somebody comes in and they don't like one of my sermons, I am not here for a popularity contest. I am not here 
in order to please people. I'm here to give the word of God. In today's sermon, if you're watching the Prophecy Update and you want to know about sexual immorality, Leviticus 18, the entire chapter we're going to do today. And I'm going to tell you what, a lot of churches in the world will be very upset at the fact that I would even preach on this. And there'll probably be somebody that'll flag it and say, well, he's saying things that are inappropriate. It's the word of God. We don't waffle on our convictions because of popularity. Yes. I'm sorry. I I used to live in Alexandria, and George Washington surveyed that land. Right. I lived between Mount Vernon and the gristmill where he lived. That's right. He, he, that's exactly right. And so he was a surveyor and he, he was an active participant in Virginia and in their uh, religion. And uh, it's just a shame that they've done this. So anyway, from what's that? What denomination? It's Episcopal, which oh, okay. shouldn't surprise you at all. And I got another article here to uh, substantiate this from World Net Daily. It's on the same uh, theme. Church out with George Washington in with Mother of God. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this in is because I want you to know that this is a church that is already completely apostate. If you're in the Episcopal Church, you're on the wrong side of uh, Christ anyway, okay? They have all-female staff there, which, oh, you know what, by the way, that reminds me, I forgot to mention this last Sunday, but we started 1 Timothy on Monday, the book of 1 Timothy. We finished 2 Thessalonians, and we're into 1 Timothy, and you can catch up if you go and you start those devotionals, which are posted every single day on the Superior Word website, and um, the uh, 1 Timothy is going to give you proper doctrine for pastors and for church conduct, okay? And I hate to tell people, I always lose people when I say this, but women are not to be preachers. That's explicit in the Bible. There's no excuse. I had somebody arguing this point in a blog or, you know, a post on one of the blogs on Facebook this past week is, can women be preachers? And they start justifying exactly against the word of God. And you know they're not reading their Bible. And they're not reading their Bible. Or if they're reading their Bible, they're picking, they're choosing their theology because it's very clear, okay? I could give you 15 examples of explicit and implicit references to the fact that women are not to be preachers. So you are not to teach or have authority over men. It says a um, elder is to be the husband of but one wife. Well, unless you're LGBTQ, then obviously it implies that you are to be a male if you have a wife. And we could go through many of those type of references. So if you don't like that, please don't watch the updates anymore because I'm not here to, to cave on this. I'm here to hold to this, and this is the Word of God, and there is no excuse for disobeying the Word of God. People can, they'll pull out descriptive passages from the book of Acts and from the book of Judges and say, well, these people were prophets of God, and irrelevant. We get our doctrine from the letters of Paul. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, and his letters are prescriptive for church age conduct. Anything else is disobedience, so don't email me on that issue. It is not allowed. Here we go. Church um, church out with uh, George Washington, in with Mother of God. At Christ Church, the Christ Church of Alexandria is so inclusive that it does not have a single male pastor listed on its website. All four are women. One of them, the Reverend Ann Gillespie, is formerly Hollywood actress who recently closed a sermon with a new version of the Apostles' Creed. She changed it. Okay, it starts out, I believe in God, our mother bear, source of all being. And it refers to the Virgin Mary as the bad A blank blank womanist liberation theologian, Mary. So these people are completely apostate, completely apostate. And yet they are making decisions against the history of the United States of America. And they are bringing in 
absolute perversion into the churches of America. This type of stuff, Jesus is not pleased with. I can absolutely assure you that they are building diving boards to hell. All right, from Weasel Zippers, The View chose to censor a name that immediately sent many into the audience in outrage. What name did they censor? Jesus. All, all ladies said was the name Jesus, and they blanked it out. During Friday's episode of the ABC daytime talk show, The View, a name was censored in a way that was far more offensive than if it had been allowed to be said. The hosts were discussing a British study that showed that many of the UK's Christian citizens wanted to ignore four of the Ten Commandments. When co-host Paula Ferris, a Christian, explained how things were in her house when she was a kid. My parents were really strict about what we said in the home. We couldn't say, oh my God. We couldn't say, JC. We couldn't say, Jesus, she explained, but the show censored Jesus' name from the broadcast. Unless you were praising him, she continued. And then you could say, Jesus, which was, again, censored. She's just simply saying the name and they censored. Don't watch The View. If you're watching The View, stop. Don't give them your time. College fix. Kent State moles whether telling someone you need Jesus is hate speech. You go up to some, yeah, they're mulling whether you go up and you say you need Jesus, and well, that's hate speech now. Christian student leaders demanding an apology after a poster distributed by Kent State University stating you need Jesus could qualify as hate speech. And from the Washington Times, Trump to bypass UN and send aid directly to persecuted Christians in the Middle East. Yes, that is good. That's very good. We've got uh, a previous president was giving away billions of dollars to the U.N., and they weren't helping a single Christian. None. All right? Now our president says we're not going to do that anymore. No more money to the U.N. It's going to go around them, and it's going to specifically help persecuted Christians. Vice President Pence announced that President Trump has ordered the State Department to shut off funding for ineffective U.N. programs to help persecuted Christians in the Middle East, saying the admin will take over those efforts directly. From this day forward, America will provide support directly to persecuted communities through U.S. aid, Mr. Pence said. Good job, President Trump. We love you. You're doing great things. From Islam Today, something I read in the news just this morning. If you didn't see it, it's important. Lebanon Prime Minister Hariri has resigned. Okay, that means that Lebanon is, in essence, a proxy state of Iran now. Okay, he was one of the last bastions of holding out against that, and he resigned. Apparently, he did it from out of the country. His life is in jeopardy, and so he resigned outside of the country. But we have got to keep our eyes on Iran. They are making moves all over the world. The entire Lebanese government now is a basically a proxy. They're in the back pocket of Iran, okay? And this is only going to get worse, and we can see how the nations are lining up. Gog Magog can't be far off. Maybe it is. I don't want to be a a speculator on these things, but I have to tell you that the world at this point is lining up as the Bible says that it would. Okay, very long article on that same subject. It's the only article for Islam today. It's from the Al Jamainer. Wake-up call. The Russia-Iran access is an existential threat to Israel's security. Iranian forces and Iran-supported militias are expanding in Syria and are approaching the Israeli border. This is happening with the full support and facilitation of Russia. Once again, Iran and Russia are hip-deep in, in this 
uh, you know, uh, alliance which will be coming against Israel, along with Turkey, which is coming into the picture. Libya is coming into the picture. This is all forming up, okay? This is happening with the full support and facilitation of Russia, even though Russia knows very well that Iran's aim is to fight the state of Israel and eradicate it. It's not like they don't say it. They say it every chance they can get. And that is its expansion in Syria will significantly advance that aim. The Russians believe that they can mislead Jerusalem. But so far, Israel's elected to act according to facts rather than being taken in by Russian duplicity. Israel, therefore, is striking Syrian targets that endanger the Jewish state. This happened again this week. Something gets lobbed into Israel. They respond. They go and they blow it up. That happened this week. While Syria and Iran enjoy full Russian support, Israel lacks U.S. backing against the Russia-Iran threat. The U.S. does not even stand up for itself in Syria. Just a few days ago, Russia, like a rogue state, violated the deconfliction zone agreement that it itself had signed with the U.S. Therefore, Iran's expansion into all of Syria up to the Israeli border will soon be completed with the full support of Russia and with an eventual withdrawal of all U.S. forces from Syria. Senior Iranian officials and military commanders have already clarified that after Syria, Israel is next. Israel will have to fight its war against the Iran-Russia-Syria axis alone. Very similar to Ezekiel 38. More players involved, but you can see how it's, it's coming together. It will need America's diplomatic backing, military equipment, and economic assistance, but never American troops. Yet, as matters stand, the actual U.S. strategy vis-a-vis Iran's expansion in the region is contrary to its rhetoric, which opposes this expansion. This means that American support for Israel against the Iran-Russia access is not assured. The U.S.-Russia policy also does not guarantee that the U.S. will stand with Israel against the Iranian threat that is enabled by Russia. Israel is well equipped to answer existential threats if it must, even if they are either directly or indirectly Russian. At the same time, Russia's military power may prove to be overestimated. That's a fact because we see what happens to them in Ezekiel 38. They're going to be utterly destroyed. So they have overestimated it. Russia acts as if it is a world power, but its advanced weaponry may fail against Israeli-American technological superiority. This may be why Russia is in no hurry to launch its missiles when Israel strikes in Syria. This is not to say that there is no existential threat to Israel. Clearly, the Iran-Russia-Syria-Hezbollah axis does pose such a threat, but Israel can overcome if we must. However, the Jewish state's ability to face the threat depends on early recognition that Russia is a part of the enemy axis. The inability of many in Israel and the West to perceive Russia as the enemy stems from the belief that Russia has no reason in the world to be Israel's enemy. Therefore, they ignore what they see happening in Syria and instead provide complicated explanations about an inherent conflict of interests between Russia and Iran. In other words, they're trying to justify why Russia is their friend. Okay, Russia's buying stuff. The trade between Israel and Russia has been getting bigger and bigger over the past couple of years. All of these things are happening. And so many in the Israeli government are burying their heads in the sand and they're not seeing what's coming at them. So this is a psychological failing from which Israel suffered bitterly in its history, as have other nations. So why would 
Russia align itself politically and strategically with Iran. Russia views itself as a superpower that is fighting to reclaim its former status. Indeed, for Russia, the enemy is not Israel. Russia's true adversary is the United States. And Israel is an historic ally of that adversary. Since the collapse of the Soviet Union, an increasingly embittered Russia has escalated its attempts to regain its past glory. The Russian regime hates the United States. Russia cannot take on America directly, and therefore it is using Iran as a proxy to humiliate America, undermine its status, and expel it from the region. And we had a president that was facilitating this. He is a communist. He was following the communist handbook. He got these things into place in order for exactly this to come about. At the same time, Russia can use Iran as a bargaining chip to obtain what it needs the most, a lifting of the sanctions that were imposed after Russia annexed Crimea and dismembered Ukraine. Any harm done to Israel in the process does not figure in Russia's strategic considerations vis-a-vis the United States. Worse, even if Russia were to change direction at any time in the future, Iran's Russia-enabled expansion in Syria and its proximity to Israel will remain and will serve as the Islamic Republic's launching pad for its next war against Israel. It is all coming. Somebody was insightful enough to pen this and to say this is what's happening. And I doubt if he was reading Ezekiel 38. He's just looking at the world that's going on around him. And he said, look at what's happening. And all you need to do is take what he said and go to Ezekiel 38. And it lines up rather well. All right. Yeah. What are they going to do with the uranium that our president shipped over there? Mm -hmm. Mongolia from Xinhua Net. This is good news. Mongolian economy is rapidly recovering, says the IMF. The IMF predicts Mongolian GDP growth to reach 3.3% this year and 4.2% next year. We have a U.S. economy that never, in eight years of our previous president, never reached 3.0%. That's the first time in the history of our nation that that was the case. But Mongolia is at least going forward. The country's extended fund facility program has achieved its goal. In the near future, the IMF will focus on supporting the banking sector and improving the implementation of Mongolia's monetary policies. Jeff Gottlieb, leader of the IMF staff team in Mongolia, said the Mongolian economy is recovering faster than expected, which was largely due to the growth of coal exports as well as the restoration of services. Well, coal exports are bad for climate change, so we need to have that stopped right away. Um, but the next, next year, the coal industry will be at risk. The quantitative indicators that determine current monetary policies were positive as a result of strict control over the expenditures of the state budget, which has been increased. Last year, Mongolia's budget deficit reached 17%, while it decreased by 7.5% in 2017. Big, big dive. Good job. Daniel 12 Technology. Printer, can you please make a low-fat burger with fries? Okay, if two Hebrew university researchers have their way, we could be printing our hamburgers and french fries from a 3D machine within five years. Researchers at the Seam Research Development Company, 
The technology transfer company of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem said they have created a 3D printing technology that will be able to produce nutritious meals for use in homes, restaurants, and institutions using nanocellulose, a natural and edible calorie-free fiber. They have so far used their technology to print dough, but not a full meal. Imagine an espresso machine for whole meals. The technology relies on two basic elements, cartridges containing the meal's ingredients, put your burger in here, in powder or solution form, and hardware that applies heat and shapes the matter. Push the button, out comes a burger. The cartridges contain crystalline nanocellulose as a core element, along with proteins, carbohydrates, fat, antioxidants, and vitamins. Yeah, following individualized specs provided by the consumer on a 3D printer, the technology applies localized heat and shapes the raw material through the infrared lasers. Created through extraction from cellulose, the most abundant biomaterial on Earth, nanocellulose has a variety of technological and biomedical applications and is an expanding global market. So pretty soon we're going to go into Burger King or whatever, and we're just going to push a button and order our own burger, and we're going to do our own processing, and there's going to be nobody involved. From Mail Online, the headband that makes you smarter. The headband that makes you smarter. U.S. military reveals a bizarre device that increases learning by 40%. Yes, the non-invasive device applies a current to the brain's prefrontal frontal cortex. That's about right here, folks. This causes changes in connectivity between different brain areas. In trials on macaques, it was shown to increase learning by 40%. Researchers are now seeking FDA approval and suggest the device will be widespread in five to 10 years. And my thought is we need one of these for spiritual discernment in the body. Definitely get a a bandana, put it on your head and learn your Bible and learn to be wise and discerning about doctrine. Revelation plagues from the sun. This is the same theme that I talked about last week, but there are two new articles on it. One of them is really interesting. First one, death is coming. Plague warning in nine countries. We had Madagascar last week. We talked about nine countries now have plague warnings amid fears black death could spread on flights from Madagascar. Remember, I told you that it is aerosol now. It's in the air. It's transferred by mouth instead of by fleas and stuff. So warnings have been issued for nine countries surrounding Madagascar amid fears the disease could spread via sea trade and flight routes. From the sun, dancing with death. Madagascar plague is spreading because, listen to this, relatives are digging up their dead and dancing with the corpses as part of an ancient ritual. Yes, yes, Madagascans have been told to stop their traditional practice of fama dihana which sees locals dig up deceased relatives and dance with them before they're reburied. This is something they've always done there. It is feared that the ceremony has helped spread an outbreak of pneumonic plague that has left more than 120 dead on the African island. She's over here, got her mouth covered, and she's about to... Can you imagine? The country's health uh, chief, Willie Rand, I can't pronounce his name, he says if a person dies of pneumonic plague and is then interred in a tomb... That is subsequently open for Fama Dihana. The bacteria can still be transmitted and contaminate whoever handles the body. 
The tradition has been banned since the outbreak began, but it is feared ceremonies have taken place regardless. Some locals are openly dismissing the advice. One said, I've participated in at least 15 Fama Dihana ceremonies, and I've never caught the plague. Well, when you do, you won't be doing a 16th, will you? Gee, from Archiva. Hundreds dead as North Korean nuclear base collapses. This is under Revelation Plagues because there's more involved than just a collapsing tunnel. This, uh, this radioactive fallout is being released, okay? An underground North Korean military base used for nuclear tests collapsed earlier this month. Pyongyang revealed the Pyongyang-ri facility is located underneath the southern slope of Mount Montop. Recent thermonuclear weapons tests at the site are believed to be responsible for the collapse. China told them this two months ago. They said, your mountain is going to collapse. Well, they're still talking about doing more there. Roughly 100 people were trapped in the initial collapse, Asahi TV reported, with 100 more lost during failed rescue attempts. China cannot sit and wait until the site implodes. Our instruments can detect nuclear fallout when it arrives, but it will be too late by then. There will be public panic and anger at the government for not taking action. A researcher at the country's Peking University told South China Morning Post the fallout can spread to an entire hemisphere. All right, so that's serious stuff there. I had my wife so mad at me when I was living in Japan. I was there for six years, okay? I was at Yokota. Trump! He's at Yokota Air Base. He arrived there, right? That's where I served for six years. It was nice to see him there. They had blue sky, something we never had. I mean, it's very rare in Japan. And it's the Kanto Plain. It's surrounded by mountains, and it's just it's just always drizzly and gray, and you feel old there. But um, when I was in Japan, that's when Chernobyl went off, right? And they gave a warning one day. They said, the radioactive cloud will be going over for the next eight hours. Please, everybody stay inside. And we went out and had a party under it. And he Hidako was so mad at me, she wouldn't talk to me for a week because we're out there, you know, checking out the fallout. But anyway, yeah, but this this is serious. It can go over and it can affect you. And um, anyway, it, yeah, when it started to rain when we were at the party, everybody was going, ah, uh, okay, that's not true. It didn't rain. Anyway, morality today from the Telegraph. Police refuse. This is, this is just as bad as it can get. We've seen a lot of bad. This is right up with it. Police refuse to give gender of suspects in transgender brawl in case they get it wrong. They're afraid of offending somebody, saying this guy beat this guy up and they don't want to be sued, so they won't give the gender at all. Scott, Scotland Yard, Scotland Yard, right? This is like the FBI, apparently concerned about potential backlash, said it was a gray area and dependent on how the suspects describe themselves. We have to be very careful, she said. We're not going to commit ourselves to something because I'm afraid it's not black and white. The police spokesman said the suspects may possibly be transgender individuals, so they won't make any comment at all. Yeah. Washington Post. For the first time, a majority of Republicans support marijuana legalization. Get your foot in the door, a little yeast leavens the whole loaf. There you go. Yahoo. Andy Mack character to come out as gay, a Disney Channel first. Now, this is a 15-year-old boy that is on TV. He's a 15-year-old boy, and they're going to have him act a gay part. Maybe he's gay anyway. I don't know. But in a first for Disney Channel, a key character on the popular tween series, Andy Mack will realize he's gay and come out to his friends. The story arc will mark the channel's first depiction of a coming-out journey. 
The character, 13-year-old Cyrus Goodman, played by 15-year-old Joshua Rush, will begin a self-discovery in this Friday's second season one-hour premiere episode, which was this past Friday, I believe. The Walt Disney Company released a general statement on stories and characters, which reads in part, Disney remains committed to continuing to create characters that are accessible and relatable to all children, no matter how screwed up they are. Okay, I added the last part in. From Fox, Air Force punishes Colonel who refused to affirm gay marriage, attorney says. The Air Force, the United States Air Force. I spent nine years, four months, and 15 days in this, and it was a good organization. Now, not so much. The Air Force has punished a highly decorated and respected colonel after he refused to publicly affirm the same-sex spouse of a retiring subordinate. Colonel Leland Bohannon, who was on the verge of being promoted to one-star general, was suspended from command, and orders were handed down recommending he not be promoted. His career is likely over, and he will likely have to retire as a colonel instead of a general. This sends a clear message. If you do not have the politically correct viewpoint, you are not welcome in the military. The military is no longer a place of diversity and inclusion if you are a person who holds to traditional belief on marriage. Swamp. Our other category, Zero Hedge. It's a huge story. Something I brought up two weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. I think it was two weeks ago. Guy made a prediction. Guess what? China launching Petro Yuan in two months. The World's Bank former chief economist wants to replace the U.S. dollar with a single global super currency, saying it will create a more stable global financial system. The dominance of the greenback is the root cause of of global financial and economic crisis. They blame it on the U.S. dollar. It's people like the U.N. that take money and they piddle it away. They fritter it away on things that if people were productive with the money they had and they were allowed to keep it, there would be no problems. You take it away from people and you give it to governments, it will... You know, let me tell you something about how government works, just so you all understand this. I was in wastewater for 20-some years, right? I was in wastewater in high school. I came back from the military and I went back into wastewater. I ran the plant, which is right down the road here, which is no longer here, but I ran that, okay? Eventually, Sarasota County saw how much money private industry makes treating wastewater. It's a very profitable company or uh, profession, right? They go in, they take the bad water, and they make it good again, and they are very, very heavily regulated, okay? It's nothing cheap to go through what they do, and yet they still make a profit, Okay, this is private companies. Sarasota County decided they want all of the utilities in Sarasota County because we're going to get that money. So what did they do? They bought out that plant. And I quit because I'm not going to work for the government anymore, and I went to Alaska and I mined gold. Right? I came back after the summer and I did some other things before I eventually, uh, eventually went back into wastewater again. But they bought out that plant. Okay, Then I went over after several years of doing other things. I went back and I worked at CSDQ Utilities where I started in high school. I eventually took over that facility. And I was there until Sarasota County took it over. And once they did that, I quit because I'm not going to work for the government, right? And so they took it over. As soon as they took it over, the water rates, the plant that I was at bought their water from Sarasota County, okay? They bought their water from them. And they sold it for less than Sarasota County sells it to their own people, okay? We on the key had to have what's called tertiary treatment, It's the highest treatment you can have for wastewater. It's very, very expensive, okay? We treated our wastewater for less than Sarasota County treated theirs, secondary treatment. And then they turn around and they resell their water 
It's called reuse, and they sprinkle all the golf courts and everything, right? So they're making money on both ends. They're getting their initial product for half of what we got it for. We made a great profit, okay? We were able to keep the place running. It ran well. Sarasota County took it over. Everything has gone up in price. Nothing is fixed anymore. You can have one-inch break on your street. They're not coming out for two weeks. We wouldn't have it broken for one hour. It would be fixed, okay? It is a crime to have government get involved in anything except the few things that government should be in. So keep that in mind when I uh, talk about this type of an issue here. The solution to this is to replace the national currency, meaning ours, with a global currency. The writing is on the wall for dollar hegemony. As Russian President Putin said almost two months ago during the BRICS summit in Xiamen, Beijing is ready to step up the game. Soon China will launch a crude oils future contract priced in yuan. This means that Russia, as well as Iran, the other key node of Eurasia integration, may bypass the United States sanctions by trading energy in their own currencies or in yuan. Inbuilt in the move is a true Chinese win-win. The yuan, according to some, will be fully convertible into gold on both the Shanghai and Hong Kong exchanges. In doing so, China is effectively lobbing the first shot across the bow of the petrodollar system, and more importantly, the key support of the U.S. dollar in the international arena, setting the scene for the petro yuan and setting the scene for the collapse of the American dollar. Okay. That's why we have this great economy we have is because everything on earth, every barrel of oil is traded in U.S. dollars. Take that out of the picture and things will go south very quickly. Mail online. Afternoon heart surgery. Anybody here scheduled for afternoon heart surgery? If you are, change it, okay? Afternoon heart surgery is 50 cent. Uh, 50% more successful. I'm sorry, change it to afternoon heart surgery. Human body clock means the body is better at responding to a traumatic event later in the day. So if they schedule you first in the day, no, 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 no. I want the afternoon. Okay, experts believe it is because the heart is better at repairing itself later in the day. Researchers are now calling for hospitals to move operations to the afternoon. Currently, NHS hospitals deal with their most serious cases first. They found out that's not good. When I had my brain replacement surgery, it was done in the morning. And that's why it never worked right. Now I know. From Reuters, China considers three-year jail terms for disrespecting the national anthem and the flag. Okay, three-year jail sentence for disrespecting. Why did I bring that up? Just thought I'd throw it out. Here we go. From uh, Zero Hedge. Papa John's pulls NFL ads due to negative consumer sentiment. Good for them. I'll go have a Papa John's this week, maybe. And then out kick the coverage. Doesn't break my heart one little bit. ESPN cannot afford Monday night football anymore. What's a deteriorating business look like? In the month of October, ESPN lost over 15,000 subscribers a day in October per the latest Nielsen estimates. Good. And maybe we ought to think about, I, I know we have free speech in this country and you can't put people that kneel during the uh, thing in jail, but I'll keep my comments to myself. All right, Zero Hedge. Honeypot. This is just an interesting article. It is speculative, but I still wanted to give it to you. Honeypot. Was the Trump camp's meeting with Russian lawyer all a Clinton setup? This week's bombshell that DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign finance former British spy Christopher Steele's salacious dossier allegedly connecting Donald Trump and Russia may suggest something even more devious. 
The dossier was completed by the notorious firm Fusion GPS, which also worked for Russian lawyer Natalia Veselinskaya, whatever, the very woman who met with Donald Trump Jr. in a meeting deemed pivotal to the case for Trump-Russia collusion. The Fusion GPS connection raises a supremely interesting question. Did the Clinton campaign actually orchestrate the meeting between Trump campaign officials and this lady's name? Is the entire Trump-Russia collusion narrative the result of a Clinton setup? And it sure looks that way. It sure looks. And look at who we have sitting there deciding this case. Mueller, who was a part of this same swamp. Okay? Got a lesser for you. Let's see if we can figure out which article we're talking about. Both the Hebrews and Star Trek agree to make burgers and fries in 3D. If they replicate food, will our diets be skewed? Can they copy old Graham's recipe? Good job, Les. Okay, our irony of the week, and as I do each week before we get into that, I want to have you uh, know that you should probably click on Sergio and Rhoda's video. I say this every week, and the numbers have been going steadily up. I'm glad to see this. Today is in the Dead Sea, and the photography is outstanding. They took a drone down there. They get pictures above. Yes, they did that. All of the the camera work was by them. It's a lead-in to a three-part, three-more-part series on the Dead Sea, and the photography is outstanding. And I will tell you something. Last night, it was late there in Israel because it was, you know, evening time here, which means it's late in Israel. I sent him a, a note, and he got back to me about something, and he said, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you earlier. He said, I was working on this video, and it's, he spends many, many long hours on these videos. He said, I was working on this video, and the thing seized up, and everything collapsed. He lost everything. He says, I've got to get up very early in the morning, and I've got to do it again. And my thought immediately went after watching this video that he did. It went to John Steinbeck. When he wrote Of Mice and Men, I don't know if you know what happened. He got halfway through Of Mice and Men, the greatest story that he ever wrote and one of the greatest stories in all of American literature. His dog ate it. What? Yes, it ate. Go look it up online if you think I'm making this up. The, the, his original manuscript, one half of it was done. His dog ate it. And you know what? By doing it a second time, he was able to work in his mind out all of the things that were probably wrong with the first one. And it became one of the finest novels in American history. Well, I'm going to tell you what. His video is one of the finest you'll see. It is outstanding. Also the finest excuse. The, the, yeah, it's a very fine excuse. The dog ate it. That's right. All right. So from uh, our irony of the week, actually, the first one is not ironic. I thought I'd add in something a little odd, something a little fun. And this is very cute. A restaurant under fire for racist breakfast dish with eggs, jalapenos, and salsa called the Border Patrol Scramble. (laughs) (laughs) That is outstanding. And then from Mail Online, man gets locked in a beer cooler overnight and helps himself to drinks, but is jailed in the morning for violating his probation sober order. (laughs) So such is the world we live in. And from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia and the Faroe Islands, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the superior word. And that is your prophecy update for the week.